This is Beck and Bill Haven, just saying, in Omaha, I'm Tom Becker. And from St. Louis, McGraw Millhaven. Good morning, good evening, and good afternoon, everybody. Yeah, whenever you're listening, because it's a podcast. Although it's also on KTRS, the station that McGraw works at. It's also on in the evening at KTRS. So you, you can listen online. You can listen on the radio. We are we are multimedia moguls. What we are, McGraw. How uh, how how much do you remember Jack Parr? Oh, he was before my time. But uh, as a as a student of broadcast, I mean, I. I know a lot about him, but I, I I never watched him as a kid. It was because even, because as old as it, I am as old as I am. Jack Power was even uh, before my time because uh, uh, Johnny Carson took over for Jack Parr, right? I believe you. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Because I got back from uh, New York last week, and uh, I saw the Tony Award winning play "Good Night Oscar" about Oscar Levant, who was the Don Rickles to Johnny Carson. Oscar Levant was the uh to 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 jack parr he was his muse he'd come on the show once or twice a year yuck it up and sort of so he was known as like being famous before that existed and um it's this this broadway play called good night oscar which sean hayes from will and grace is a concert pianist plays this savant this this oscar levant it is one of the finest plays I've ever seen. It is really? fantastic. Oh my goodness. Because they 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 recreate the Jack Parr show. And the story goes, it's a true story. And um they go out to California to boost ratings. Surprise, surprise. And Jack Parr invites this Oscar Levant on the show. And the day of the show, his wife goes to the studio and says, There's only one small problem. And Jack Parr says, What? And he says, I committed my my husband to an insane asylum three months ago so they bust him out of the sane asylum to go on network television and (laughs) which is now an everyday occurrence which happens all the time right right yeah right yeah yeah there's a shuttle from the insane asylum to uh late night talk show hosts and so he gets into a fight with the president of the network you know you can't talk politics you can't talk religion or or you can't talk sex and it's just so amazing how they recreate the Jack Parr show. And Jack Parr, being a bit of a nudge, sort of egged this guy on. And so it was, re- it was really very interesting to look at the TV world back in the 50s and where we are today. It was really very good. If you ever get a chance, good night, Oscar. You know, you know, so, 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 you mentioned Oscar Levant, and I know nothing about this guy other than I recognize the name because I think it was also he would also like be on a contestant on some of the game shows like uh, – um, uh, what's my line? And right, yeah. you know, and, and and you would have you would have these people that that were just like they were like New York um, literati. You know what I mean? They would be like right. like, like like Bennett Cerf, You know, uh, you know, an author. You know, you have, have Truman Capote and people like that that would be on the, on the on these shows as opposed to now. You know, you got the guy from Jackass uh, doing it. You know, well, you would have you would have Kitty Kitty Carroll was a, who was on What's My Line or to to tell the truth was it Kitty Carroll? Kitty Joe, 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 Joe Garren was it Joe Garren? Who who would it be? Joe Garren. Uh, I thought it was Kitty Carroll. Was Carlisle, Kitty, Kitty Carlisle. Kitty Kitty Carlisle. Yeah. And then you'd have uh, Joe uh, Joe Graziola and like somebody else on like like. Nipsey Russell. Who was Nipsey Russell? Nipsey Russell. Nipsey Russell was this great comedian who was hilarious. I I, I love seeing Nipsey Russell because he would he would do all these poems. 
Right. You do all these poems. But, um, uh, go, go, go to school and study. Study until you're blue. If they can make penicillin out of moldy cheese, they can certainly make something out of you. <laughs> How in the hell I remember that after, you know, what, 50 years? I, 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 can't, I can't remember where I put my car keys. I remember a Nipsey Russell poem from 50 years ago that I saw in Match Game PM. <laughs> I got issues. Oh, I got issues. Uh, the Nipsey Russell I remember was uh, Nipsey Russell said, we all came over in different ships, but we're all in the same boat now. Yeah. Yeah. Well, he was, he was, he was, he was great. He, I always, always enjoyed him. Well, who was the, um, well, I mean, uh, Charles Nelson Riley, right? He was nothing more than a game show contestant or a game show guy. Um, and who was the other, who was the other one who sat next to Charles Nelson Riley? Brooke, uh, all uh, I know about her was that she was married to Jack Klugman for a while. That, that yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, Phyllis, I want to say Phyllis George, but that's not right. Um, oh no. no, no, Phyllis George was a former Miss America, I believe. She was no Phyllis George. She was no Phyllis George, but I mean that's I mean that's that was this Oscar Levant and this and and he was a concert pianist. So Sean Hayes plays this curmudgeon. And then on the Jack Parr show, he plays the piano and Sean Hayes gets up there and plays Mozart. And it's just a beautiful Mozart piece. Um, oh, is, it actually him, is it actually him playing or is it? Uh, no, is it it's really Sean Hayes playing the piano. That's that's what's so amazing about it. It was wonderful. It was uh, absolutely okay, so wonderful. Then, so, and then we saw Hamilton. So, and so um, to watch Hamilton in the streets where Alexander Hamilton walked. Here's my problem with 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 Hamilton. Okay. Okay. So first of all, just okay. So you so you went to New York last weekend and you did a bunch of Broadway plays. Is what you're telling me, right? And then, then and we saw a couple of Met games, Mets, Mets and Cardinal games. Yeah. Okay, and then you went to see Hamilton. Yes. Okay. So what's the problem with it? So before Hamilton was turned into a Broadway musical that everybody has to go see. I was a fan of Alexander Hamilton. He was my favorite founding father. And people would make fun of me that I had a favorite founding father. And then I read this book, Ron Chernow, about, you know, um, about Alexander Hamilton, right? I loved him even more. And everyone thought I was sort of this nerd because I liked Alexander Hamilton. Well, now everybody likes Alexander Hamilton and so it's kind of like when you were a kid and you liked a band until it got popular, then you didn't like the band anymore. Well, first of all, first of all, they don't like Alexander Hamilton. They like the music. They like the dancing. They like the scenery. Right? They, 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 it's not like it's not like all of a sudden they become you know history buffs. No, but they like Alex. They like Alexander Hamilton. They like the story. They know the story, and they you know he gets his due. Whereas before, no one knew who he was. I knew who he was. Now everyone's jumped on the bandwagon. I know I'm going to regret asking this. Why was Alexander Hamilton your favorite founding father? Um, because he invented the banking system. Because he um, was wrote the Federalist Papers. He was an orphan uh, from Puerto Rico, probably of mixed. Uh, he was half black, half white, most likely. And he gets sent to America and becomes this iconic founding father, uh, you know, sort of from rags to riches. And he's sort of the first American 
to sort of, you know, sort of pull themselves up. Not the first, but, you know, one of those who started off as, as you know, nothing and ended up becoming something great, which is the story of uh, America. So he was your favorite founding father because he founded the banking system and your friends in high school thought you were a nerd? Really? Yes. I find, yes. that, so, I find that so hard to believe. Yeah, me too. I didn't understand it either all these years. Did you get shoved into a lot of lockers as a kid? <laughs> No, I didn't because because I was the biggest kid in the school. So they just appreciated that I knew about Alexander Hamilton. Yeah, Abraham Lincoln has always been my favorite founding father. He's not a founding father. How stupid do you think I am? I don't want to answer that. Don't, don't answer I don't that. Wanna, I don't want to answer yeah, that. Don't answer, I, don't answer. I don't want to answer that question. But I did. I did almost... <laughs> I, I was I bought tickets, um, you know, I scalped tickets while I was there and I had a chance to sit in the um, in the Abraham Lincoln seats in the theater. And I decided against it. I'm guessing you would have been safe. You know, I know, but I just I, I had this lightning only striking once, you know, I, just I don't gotta... think you'd have been shot in the theater if you were sitting in Abraham Lincoln seats. And why I were they just... Abraham Lincoln seats? Well, they were like on the, the side. They were, you know, they were in okay, the so, box okay. on the okay. side. So, so it, was, it was that balcony, side balcony thing. Yeah. It wasn't, it wasn't like it wasn't like announced as the Abraham Lincoln seats. No, 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 no. It was not you're a fourth theater. Yeah, I'm just calling it those those side balcony seats. So I figured it would be bad luck if I sat in them. So I, I, I purchased other tickets. Uh, what am I going to do with you? So, okay, so I got to ask you this. If you had the money, would you have taken that submarine ride down to see the Titanic? No, no, no desire. No, I don't know. I, 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 most of us can't even comprehend how rich that is. Yeah. To take, to take $250,000 and to waste it on a trip to Titanic. It would be like if we found a nickel in the couch and said, yeah, all right, do you want to go to Titanic? All right, yeah, here, here's a nickel. That's how they value that $250,000. This guy, this guy also, didn't he also take a trip on one of like, like on uh, Bezos rocket or something? I mean, didn't he also uh, take, take a trip into space as well? I don't know, does Jeff, Jeff Bezos have a rocket or? You're saying the SpaceX rocket rocket. Well, yeah, yeah, yeah. Tell you yeah, I don't know. I don't know. But you know, and I don't I don't be begrudge these people if they want to go and do this. I I mean, I guess they're thrill seekers and they're looking for the next big adventure or the next cocktail party to say, I went down to Titanic. I I, I don't I don't I there's nothing I like the movie, I find the story interesting, but not enough to go in a submersible and spend $250,000 to go down and see it. It's kind of morbid. I've done, I've done, I've done, um, uh, like just walk through it uh, at the, um, you know, at uh, tourist trap submarines, you know, it'd be like some museum and you could walk through a submarine. Right. I get claustrophobic just walking through the submarine. I can only imagine how claustrophobic I'd be in something like that. Uh, you know, under submerged under what thirteen thousand feet of water? Uh, no, thank you. I, I'm I'm with you. I I would not have done that. Well, not I get claustrophobic just hearing about the conditions in this. 
Let me also say this about this submarine story that I know that's captivated the world. There's a lot of disgusting people on social media, right? A lot of people who say oh, the most- Wait, 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 really? Well, I mean- I, they I, say, I have no idea. You know, this, this whole notion of making fun of people who are in harm's way while they're in harm's way is quite disgusting. And you see it all over social media for a quick joke. Yeah. And it, maybe you say it with your friends. Maybe you say it in the comfort of your own home. But to say it publicly on social media, I'm sorry. Uh, that just is a bridge too far. And a lot of these people who were trying to be funny on Facebook and Twitter during this, it's not funny and you look like an idiot. And not only that, not only that, someday, someday you might find yourself in a situation where you know you're in the news, and then you know people are going to be all over there making fun of you. Why, why would you bring that karma on yourself? I agree. I, I. Well, I, and, and you know, how many times is there like a missing child? All of a sudden, it's good to start making jokes about a missing child, or, or blaming, or, or you know, or, or blaming the parents, you know, blaming the blaming the mom or the dad, you know. Right. Yeah. When, yeah. I, 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 it's just crass and kind of disgusting and. Um, kind of embarrassing. I mean, you're just, you look like an idiot by trying to make a joke out of something while it's ongoing. Um, it's not funny. It's, it's these people's lives are in danger and whatever mis mistakes were, were made and whatever we think of, you know, we wouldn't have done it. I mean, you're, you're making fun of somebody who's in a dire situation. Yeah. Um, I, I will admit, I will admit, I, I was already thinking about the uh, the movie, you know, if, they, if those guys, if those guys, uh, even if one of them, even if one of them comes out alive, it's a movie. If they, if there's, if there's no happy ending to this, then 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 there's no movie. Well, but, there was a movie, um, The Perfect Storm. There was a book and a movie, and that was a story of a fishing vessel that sort of got lost and died, and you know, they all died at sea. So. And that was actually a really good movie. I guess you can tell the story, tell the story for the people that are doing the rescuing. I mean, that the, yeah. did you ever see the movie uh, The Perfect Storm? No. Oh, it's great. It's a great movie. Uh, Mark Wahlberg and um, uh, well, there's, there, there's a sense I never thought I'd hear. Mark Wahlberg's a great actor. He's been in some great movies. Well, um, I guess he's been, you're right. You're right. He was he was in um, uh, oh that Burt Reynolds porn movie. Um, yeah, Bo Bo Boogie Nights. Boogie Nights. Yeah, you're right. He yeah. he was in The Fighter. He was in Perfect Storm. He was in the Basketball Diaries. He's a he's a great actor. Oh, Planet you're right. You're right. You're Planet right. of the Apes. He was outstanding. I stand corrected. Um, but since you mentioned Boogie Nights, or I guess I mentioned Boogie Nights, I just couldn't think of a name. Uh, Got to tell this story, and I know that you'll appreciate this story. But Ron, I used to work at this radio station that had a farm director, Roger Flemmer, nicest guy in the world. This guy, this guy could could not have been any nicer. Um, and then we also another guy that worked there, um, who I'll just say, I don't want to name his name because I can't prove it was him, but we all suspect it was him that did this, <laughs> right? I can't prove it, so I won't say his name. Another guy that worked there, Roger had one, there, there was a, there was like some agricultural contest the radio station was doing and Roger was going to announce the winner and somebody handed Roger the winner's name. And oh, I Roger, thought I thought Roger picked it out of out of the the hat. I thought he picked it out of the the thousands of people who sent the card in. 
Well, I, you know what? I, I, I don't know. I don't know. I, I do know that. I do know that it, it just smells of you know who pulling a joke. Oh, it smells. Oh, it smells. Yeah. Oh, it, so it might have. It might have just been a. Um, I thought he. I thought he because it was this something where go to a store, get a get a postcard, send it in, and have lunch with Roger Flemmer. Yeah, and and he was going to pick the winner on the air, and so we got thousands of these things, and he went into the mailbag and pulled out one and said, "Ladies and gentlemen, the winner is," and that's and that's the joke. The winner is, and, he, and you'd have to know Roger. God bless his heart. Rest in may rest in peace. Love this guy. It was. Dirk Diddler of Eagle, <laughs> Nebraska. And Roger had no idea who Dirk Diddler was. Had no idea about Boogie Nights. Or that was not that was not in Roger's wheelhouse. And it just, yeah, it was just it was a stuff of radio legend. Roger so Flemmer. Here's my here's Diddler. my here's my Roger Flemmer. Here's, here, here, I have two Roger Flemmer stories. So there was a farm convention down in uh, San Antonio. And so he goes down to San Antonio and uh, in the middle of the night, he would call up and I was working overnights and he had to record the farm report for the morning. So, uh, hey, Roger, how you doing? Hey, I'm down here in uh, San Antonio and next to my hotel, there's just this big, giant, open, vacant lot right in the middle of downtown. He's like, I've been staring at it. I don't know why it's such a big vacant lot. And I said, could it be the Alamo? He goes, oh, yeah, I think it's the Alamo. <laughs> so, so with this, I say to him, I'm like, okay, Roger, here, here's the deal. I'm going to start the, the tape. I, I'm running around doing a whole bunch of other stuff. When you're finished, just hang up. And when I'm done doing all my side work, I'll come back and I'll rack it and I'll tape it and I'll get it ready for air. Okay, fine. So I, I put the phone down. I switch it over. I hear him saying three, two, one. And he starts doing the farmer report. So I go back to the studio and it's top of the hour news and I read the newscast and I'm doing whatever and I get busy. All of a sudden, like 45 minutes later, I'm like, oh, shoot, I forgot to do Roger's uh, farmer report. I go back into the studio and I hear Roger saying, hello, <laughs> hello, <laughs> hello. And I pick up the phone. I'm like, I'm here, Roger. He's like, okay, bye now. <laughs> and hangs up the phone. <laughs> and, and by the way, by the way, these stories, these stories are, are, are said with love because Roger was, he was. Oh dead. God, he's salt of the he, earth. He, he, salt of the earth. Nicest guy in the world. And, uh, and he used to, uh, he, he used to um, smoke. But he would not admit it. Oh, I didn't know that. Oh yeah, oh yeah, yeah. Because you you could find him like a block or so away from the radio station. You could find him walking the streets about a block or so away from the radio station every once in a while, where he thought that he was nobody was seeing him, and he'd have a cigarette because because oh. uh, Helen wouldn't, his wife wouldn't, you know, wouldn't, you know, wouldn't wouldn't allow it. Yeah, oh. and he, didn't, he didn't want anybody to know that he was smoking. Yeah, I didn't know Roger Flemmer was a closet smoker. Yeah, but anyway, but anyway, again, again, uh, saying this with nothing. But nothing but love and respect for the man. Just a just a great guy, great guy. So, um, what else we got? What else is going on in the news here? Uh, uh, should we break at some point? Oh, I guess that's right. We had commercials because we're on the um, on KTRS. That's right. Let's do a commercial break here, and then we'll get back to the podcast. Uh, all coming your way 
in just a moment. This is Becca and Millhaven just saying on the Big 550 KTRS. And we are back. If you're listening on the podcast, that took no time whatsoever. By the way, if you're listening on the radio and you want to listen to the podcast, maybe you missed some of this or you want to check out uh, back episodes, we are available wherever podcasts are uh, found. We're on Spotify, iHeart, uh, iTunes, all of that. And you can, what, subscribe and like us so that you never miss an episode of Beck and Millhaven. Just saying, although we missed an episode last week because McGraw was gallivanting around New York City, uh, checking out Broadway plays and uh, Cardinals baseball games. By the way, you're absolutely right. I was gallivanting, and I had a blast doing it. Well, I would expect a high school nerd to do nothing but gallivant. Oh, I was I was gallivanting. You know what else I did when I was in New York? Took uh-huh. this subway train up to Harlem, 155th Street in Harlem, got off the train, and go and went to go see where the old polo grounds was. That's a nerdy thing to do. Mm. So what's, uh, what's so what's there what's there now? Um, it's a housing project, and what I wanted to see was this is this is getting really nerdy, but they used to stand on this bluff called Coogan's Bluff and look down at the polo grounds, right? Mm-hmm. Well, the owner of the Giants at the time said, "Hmm, those people who are watching the game up on Coogan's Bluff." There's no way for them to come to the game and get and buy a ticket. So if I build stairs, then they can get down and then come to the game. So he built these stairs in like, I don't know, 1915 or something. And in the 1960s, when they finally tore down the the, uh, the polo grounds, they left the stairs. Well, in the 50 years since, trees and weeds and everything sort of overtook the uh, stairs and they found them in 2014, and the San Francisco Giants, the New York Jets, the New York Giants, the Mets and the Yankees all pitched in to save the steps and to refurbish them so you can now walk up and down the steps that they walked to go to the polo grounds. I don't want to regret asking you this question. Did you walk up and down the steps? Yes, we did. It was fantastic. Oh, I knew it. Uh, you and they really, I thought you were a nerd in high school, huh? Uh, <laughs> I, I just, I find that so surprising. Not only, not only did I walk up and down other steps, but my niece, I forced her to walk up and down other steps, and she actually thought it was fun. It was a neat. I, I said, "Hey, your great grandparents used to go to games here," and so there was a little, you know, touch of history there. How old is your niece? She's thirty-three. Now you see, you make it sound like you're taking this little kid up and down the steps. Oh, your your grandparents used to see a game here. She's 33. She lives in New York. She could have done that on her own if she really wanted to. She lives in Baltimore, and she couldn't do it on her own because she said, Uncle McGraw, this is really fun. This is really cool. I'm I'm glad you took me here. You're but never too like, you're never too old to learn about your history. A, a niece a niece has to say that sort of thing. Yes, she does. I mean, yeah, really. I mean, you know, I mean, niece. I mean, my niece. My niece is the sweetest kid in the world, you know. And then she she would humor me. She would humor me with something like that. That's just what they do. All know? right. Let me ask you this. Let me ask you this question. What's the nerdiest thing you you ever done while on vacation? That's oh, a loaded wow. question. Oh wow. Okay. Now that's that's. And, here, and here's the thing, guys. I know. I, 
I know that I'm that whatever I say, I know there's going to be something nerdier than that. No, I, I'm, I'm okay. One of the nerdiest things I've ever done was one vacation. I just got in the car and just started driving. All right, and I, and I would like I would like go down the interstate. I would go down the interstate and I would uh, decide: Do I want to go east or west? Come to another intersection, north or south? What do I want to do? And I just started driving around. And there's been more than one occasion like this, so or I've done similar things. And so I'll just say it. I stopped by, I stopped by, I found out of this town called Metropolis, Illinois, that has a Superman museum. Yeah, I've been there. It's fantastic. And so I stopped at the Superman Museum. I took my niece there. <laughs> I took my niece there. Do they have steps? I've also yeah, you know, you know who Grant Wood was, the uh, the Iowa author, uh, or rather Iowa artist, who did the um, painting American Gothic. Which, okay. Yeah. That's the Mona Lisa, American Gothic. That's the one where the old folks with the pitchfork and that. Right. In front of the house, I, I took a side trip to Iowa to see the house that was the house in American Gothic, and then I went and I learned the whole story behind American Gothic. Which, of course, will do nothing unless it's a Jeopardy question. And I end up on Jeopardy. Does me no good whatsoever. But I know the history now of the picture in American Gothic. Now, let me ask this question. Did you get? Did you go there before or after they took you out of the locker, after they threw you into the locker in high school? <laughs> See, I, I, I think that stuff is the most fun stuff to do in the world. No, no, I, I, I agree. I, I love... I love doing stuff like that. I, that was the thing. When I was doing stand-up comedy, you know, all the other comics, they'd do the gig, and they'd sleep in the hotel room until like four or five in the afternoon and, you know, all that. Be up be up until six in the morning, that, that sort of thing. Not me, man. If I was in a town, if I was in a town, I would go and I would find whatever was nearby. So, I mean, I've been, I've been to the Alamo. I've been to Gettysburg. I've been to Little Bighorn. I've been to the Grassy Knoll. I've been to all these places. You know, I've been to Alexander Polk's gravesite. Why? Because it was there, you know. So I know I've done, you know, all that. So I love that stuff. Yeah. I, but I when it. we went, when we went to Dallas, we were in Dallas for the Big Twelve Championship game. We went to the Book Depository Museum. Yeah. No, I've, I've been, I've been to that like three or four times. Yeah. And and you know, you can look out the window that that um, Lee Harvey Oswald looked out when he shot President Kennedy. I mean, that's insane that that you can do that, but you can do that. You know what is insane? I mean, really, when you think about it, the tourist attractions that are there that are based in like horrific, horrific events. You know, I mean, look, I mean, the assassination of a president, and you're looking out the window that Lee Harvey Oswald worked out, or at least yeah. actually, actually, you're looking out the window next to it. They've they've got that one window blocked. Well, off. you can, yeah, they have it. Well, they have it blocked off with 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 plexiglass. You can, sure, you can see, see it, it, but yeah, yeah, you can see it, yeah, yeah, yeah. But so yeah, you got that, you got that, but. Uh, you know, but you, you got this and that. I mean, you know, you got, uh, hey, at this site, Billy the Kid murdered three people while robbing the bank. Oh, that's fascinating, you know? Um, well, what about, um, uh, what was the other one that's morbid that um, they've got a oh, there's, shop Oklahoma, on? There's, there's a big, big, big tourist attraction in uh, Oklahoma City with the, uh, with the bombing, you know? Uh, there's a big, I mean, or 9-11 if you're in New York. You're in New York. There's a, how many tourists stop by the site of that tragedy in New York? I mean, no, it's, it, it's true. That's I mean, true. no, I mean, I, I, by the way, I'm not saying it's a bad thing. I just find it fascinating that people do that. It's like, oh, hey, here's a here's a tragedy. 
Let's go see what happened. Yeah. Well, and uh, for that matter, what about the Hanoi Hilton in Vietnam? They're Americans who go over and they visit the prison where John F. Ken, uh, uh, where John McCain and his fellow, you know, servicemen, you know, were held captive. Think about that for a second. And yet, there's some I don't think that really you know make the grade. I mean, um, I don't know. Like, like is, is Jeffrey Dahmer is his place? Uh, a tourist attraction. What it's, makes you uh, think of Jeffrey Dahmer? Uh, 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 horrific things happen there. You know, I mean, uh, what about uh, um, uh, the 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 Tate LaBianca murders? I know they they, they uh, tore down those houses and you know built something else there. So uh, though I yeah. went when I drove up to Minnesota, I tried to find where the plane crash uh, died the day the music died in Cedar Lake, Iowa. They they have a little plaque there. Yeah. I didn't do that, but I have been to the Surfside Museum. I have been there, uh, the Surfside Ballroom. Uh, I have been there and uh, actually actually did stand up on that stage one time. So who I was who on the died same... there? Who I'm died not... there? But that was, Buddy, that was Buddy Holly played right before they left on the plane. Oh, oh yeah. That was, yeah. That was where his last concert was. I don't and know. I just, I just find that stuff to be fascinating. And you get a different perspective and a unique perspective when you go there and you find out a little bit more. And on that note, I find it fascinating that somehow we got into that topic. How, how, you know, I, I listen to the podcasts after they're recorded, and sometimes I'm listening to it and it's like, how do they get from point A to point B? The, the, the conversation just sort of flows in that direction, and it, it just, it, 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 well, it, it amazes me. It also amazes me we got a commercial break here, so we'll take a quick break. More in a moment. This is Beck and Millhaven just saying on the Big 550 KTRS. And once again, we are back. I'm Tom Becker. He's McGraw-Millhaven. As we basically, what we do is we just sort of take what's in the news, talk a little bit, talk about what we've been up to, our our, our uh, experiences, and just two old friends uh, shooting the breeze. And for some reason, people seem to like this. Uh, the podcast is growing and growing and growing. When you've got 82 million podcasts out there, there are people out there that say, I want to spend time with this one. And we are forever eternally grateful for those people. I thought you meant that there were 82 million listeners on our podcast. Yeah, no. No. No, no we're not. No, we're no, we're no Joe Rogan. We're no Joe uh, Rogan. Can You know, you following this uh, Sam Alito luxury vacation controversy? A little bit, yeah. I, I'm sorry. I can't get all that in an uproar over it. I, I just, if it were an elected official, maybe. But I, I for some reason, I don't, it doesn't. It doesn't register for me. I, I missed the controversy on this one. That's a you know that's a tough call to be like a Supreme Court justice, you know, because um, you got to have friends. I mean, everybody's got to have friends, right? Right. So, I mean, who are your friends? Are your are your friends going to be lawyers that are going to be presenting before you? Are your friends going to be uh, like rich business people that might have uh, a case before you? You know, I mean, how do how do you? How do you stay objective and still have some sort of a life? That, well, but but I mean, uh, you know, I look, I've I've you know, I've done favors for you and you don't give me 1 inch of of any credit for anything I do. <laughs> so, <laughs> I, I you know, I mean, I, I how how pathetic does it have to be that a friend of yours gives you a free trip to Alaska for for you know fishing and all of a sudden you're that's now you've sold your soul for a decision on his company three years from now. Well, uh, what you 
you're making this into me is it's a false equivalency. I mean, it, it really is a false equivalency. I mean, come on. Um, uh, but um, uh, no, you're right. I mean, no, you know, we hope that these people are all on the uh, up and up, and that they're all, uh, uh, you know, responsible and doing the right thing. But yeah, but I mean, I do. I mean, do you really think they're selling their their Supreme Court decisions to the highest bidder? Or do you just think that, you know, I mean, they, they, when you, the whole idea of recusing yourself is based on the individual, right? If, if you want it to look a certain way or whatever else, or you recuse yourself just so that there's no hint of anything, fine, be that, leave it up to the individual. If, if you're an elected official, I get it. But a Supreme Court justice, I I think they're you know pretty well steeped in you know uh, some type of moral fiber where they wouldn't sell their opinion. You know, it was like people were like Clarence Thomas has a conservative friend. Oh my, really, really, he has a conservative friend. I mean, it would have been a story. I, 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 I hear you there, but I do think you need to trust but verify. I don't. I don't think you can just go on blind faith. Do you? Well, but there's no backlash, right? The Supreme Court is insulated from from anything for a reason. So, you know, there is no mechanism. There's no nothing for us to vote them out of office. So does it really matter what they disclose? What does that even mean? Who cares? Because let's say a Supreme Court justice was selling their decisions to the highest bidder. We couldn't do anything about it anyway. I guess we could impeach him. I guess maybe. Yeah. Well, it boils down to it. Well, and I don't care. I don't care what a person's views are, as long as there's like integrity involved. You know, that that's the thing with me is that I can I can disagree with somebody and still respect the hell out of them. No, that's true. No, you know, I agree and, that. yeah. I mean, you know, and that, and I think we've, we're losing that, or at least a lot of people have lost that, where it's like, oh, you got to agree with me on everything, or you know, you're you're a bad person. I mean, have you had any conversations lately with uh, Trumpers that still are like 110% on the bandwagon and you've tried to talk to them intelligently about his legal problems? Have you had any conversations like that lately? Um, I mean, on the air a couple of times, maybe. Um, but they don't, they're not arguing correctly. I I, it, 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 I find I find it fascinating because I've had I've had two conversations with people that I are friends, people that I like, people that are smart men. And conversation with them, and one of the guys was actually bragging about the fact oh he doesn't pay attention to the news, but that he's going to vote for Trump. You know he's going to vote for Trump, but he doesn't pay attention to the news. He doesn't you know he doesn't trust the news. He doesn't listen to it. So therefore, but he's still voting for Trump. And it was like, how is that? In what world does that make any sense whatsoever? Well, the conversations I've had are the people who claim he had a right to declassify them and he had a right to take them, to which I say, I'm not going to argue that point. He wasn't charged with declassifying them and he wasn't charged with taking them. He was charged with not giving them back and he admits it. So <laughs> that's the crime. He didn't give them back. And the story, the, today, and is these that, people's the story today is that uh, they've even got more um, recordings of him admitting that. Right. Well, he went on. He went on Brett Bear the other day and said, "I can keep them because I have my pants in them." 
Um, so, I, you know, it's you have to understand what he was charged with. He was charged with not giving them back. You know, people say, well, how come how come Mike Pence and Joe Biden were in charge with the same thing? They gave him back. Yeah, they gave him back. Well, what about Hillary? Hillary wasn't charged with anything because Trump's Justice Department said there was no crime committed. Uh, yeah, I mean, everything's not apples to apples. There are reasons why, you know, and, 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 and very conservative people have said if Donald Trump would have given it back, he wouldn't be in this mess. Yeah. OK, fine. But he gave him back. And people who have been in his situation that have taken them and wouldn't give them back. There's been severe penalties because of that. Yeah, so no, I, I, I mean, it, it's nuts. It, 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 you know, and I think I think for the most part, people have just tuned all this stuff out. But you really can't because, I mean, it really does boil down to our um, our, our, our way of uh, doing business in this country. You know, and, and, and the Republicans that are still on board, the Republicans, look, the Republicans have got some really good candidates that also want to run for president. You know, or at least candidates that are, you know, have integrity that you can at least look at them and say, OK, I disagree with them. But, you know, look. look Mike Pence, I disagree with Mike Pence on about 99.5% of all of his social issues, okay? I, I respect his, his right to have them, you know, I just disagree with him, right? But at the same time, you know, if he was president, I would argue some of his policies, but I would not feel bad that him being president because I feel that he at least is, you know, an honorable man working in the system. And that's what we got to have. That, you know, we, we got to have people with integrity. And so... When you talk about the Alito thing, when you talk about Clarence Thomas, um, you know, I, I mean, I, I do think you need to sort of trust but verify and and what, you know, what what they're doing, what is actually influencing their um, uh, their decisions. By the way, for the most part, I, I was, Clarence Thomas, I got some problems with, but for the most part, I uh, I, I trust what the Supreme Court has done. I think that they've been um, fairly. Um, uh, fairly honest and fairly uh, fairly fair with uh, the major important rulings. Well, I'll tell you, I like Mike Pence because he was a radio, he was a radio personality, so I automatically like him. I like Clarence Thomas. He's a Husker fan. How can you not like Clarence Thomas? His wife Ginny uh, is from Omaha. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And he he travels around, he travels around the Midwest in an RV going to a Nebraska game. So you gotta love the guy. That. That's what uh, that's what the uh, folklore tells you. Uh, yeah, he also he also goes on multi million dollar vacations with rich people. Well, <laughs> but the uh, the guy who owns the RV is a liberal, so that's the problem. He didn't uh, disclose that. Oh, that um, what it is. And uh, you know, did you see Chris Christie's um, town hall meeting on CNN the other day? Oh, part of it. I didn't see the whole thing, but I saw a lot of it. Yeah. I thought it was really good. It was really interesting. I like I think, Chris Christie. I like Chris Christie. I know I, I I do. I like Chris Christie. Yeah. That uh, you know, um, you know, and, and here's and here's the thing. And Chris Christie has no shot. Why? Because of the primary system, the way it's set up. They're gonna if he gets any sort of traction, they're gonna go and trot out the picture of him hugging Barack Obama after um, a super superstorm Sandy that devastated New Jersey. And he was thankful for the support that the Democratic president was giving him. They'll tout, tout that out and just say, Chris Christie, the liberal hugger, you know. And it's it just, it's, it's so frustrating. It's so uh, frustrating. Speaking, of, speaking of frustrating, I'll leave you with this. Did you know 
that Mike Pence and the Donald Trump 2020 campaign sold LGBTQ friendly merchandise? Oh, yeah. Okay. Yeah. 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 So we need to cancel them. Well. In, 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 in children's sizes, no less. It, it just, I know. And this, yeah. this, is why people, this is why people. This is why people tune up the news. Exactly. It's, it's just so crazy sometimes. It's like, oh God, I just, the, I don't want to. I just want to watch the Trump. Sports. The Trump Pence administration was indoctrinating people into the LGBTQ lifestyle by selling all this merchandise in children's sizes. Um, but at least, they, at least these kids weren't drinking Bud Light. So that's that's right. That's his most important thing. And they weren't shopping at Kohl's. Yeah. All right. All right. Are we we're done? We're, we're, close at, we're close enough to being done. We're out of your time. Thank you for your time. We will do this again next week. Thank you Until all for listening time. and joining us. We will talk to you later. Uh, so till next time, America. I'm Tom Becker. I'm a McGraw Millhaven. Bye bye. Huda Media Production.